everyone. Welcome to our post-election episode of the podcast, The Shift. I'm Shay Candish, the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's Assistant General Secretary and the host of this show. Across the country, hundreds of aged care workers and their supporters have rallied behind our calls to fix the aged care sector. After years of robust campaigning and perseverance from members of the association, much needed reform is finally well within reach. With the newly elected Albanese government's commitment to solving the aged care crisis, we have some hope. Today, I'm joined by long-term aged care activist and NSWNMA councillor, Diane Lang, to debrief what's been a very protracted and gruelling campaign to fix our ailing aged care system. Welcome to the show, Di. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's lovely to have you. So Di um, has been active in the aged care space for uh, a pretty long time. And um, how do you feel about the result that we got? This is sort of our first opportunity to talk about it. So uh, give me your headline thoughts about it all. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. I'm concerned. I am um, hopeful. There's so many different emotions running (laughs) at once. But ultimately, we have hope at the end of the rope and I'm just so pleased that what we have done has achieved what we've set out to do finally. Yeah look I couldn't agree more and I'm sure everyone's heard lots of different election um, wrap-ups by this stage Um, so we'll kind of be short and to the point but I think from our perspective it's the first time we've had really significant hope in aged care so it is very exciting. Uh, That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I think the real work really is going to start now because we're going to have to hold Labor accountable at every point and here in New South Wales we've got such a heavily privatised system you know the risk of them getting it wrong um, through all of those different providers I think is really high uh, even if they're very well intentioned. So we're going to have to work very hard to um, help the ALP work out how they deliver on those announcements, how they make sure they have enough nurses trained uh, at the timeframes that they've committed to um, and really help them to make sure that they're talking to the experts when it comes to governance and regulation um, and you know really putting forward systems that provide the transparency and accountability that we've campaigned so long for uh, that can reform this sector. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. One of the experts you also need to take into consideration is the person that's working on the floor day in and day out, be that the registered nurse, the enrolled nurse, or the care workers. They are the experts. They're the ones that know what needs to be done, how much time it takes to do each thing, and they're the ones that see the actual person. Everybody else is writing these policies and documents have a picture of a person in the circle and everything's supposed to go around them, but it does not work. They need to make sure they have enough care workers in that discussion to say, no, that's not, that's not viable. That's not reasonable. That's too hard to do. Yeah, totally agree. We need to put workers uh, at the centre of the decision making. And, you know, that's what we always strive to do and we'll continue to do that. Um, but definitely, I think the the need to make that happen when we go through really big reform like this is even more front and centre to make sure we get it right. Oh, it is such a complex system and it's not going to be a magic cure overnight. We are not going to get Im- immediate release and that take five or six years. We need to make sure the public are aware it won't happen overnight. Yeah. But what we can do is, like you said, work with the government, make sure they honour those promises and they work towards the best practice. That's And that is seeing the person, the real person, and making sure there's time for that person. And then everything else should just fall into place, hopefully. 
absolutely. And look, I think that, you know, the announcement of having the new aged care minister and the assistant minister um, appointed uh, so quickly has already given us some hope uh, because we've got the ANMF already working with those ministers. Uh, and, you know, the relationship is so different than what it was with the previous government. Having um, a government that wants to work with us and wants to consult and wants to do better, I think is a really different place. Uh, and it's such a, um, you know, it feels so it feels so great to be in a position where we're actually able to have constructive conversations about what needs to happen and how we deliver on that. Um, so, you know, I feel very hopeful, much like you. Uh, you know, it was a very the 21st of May was a very good day. <laughs> oh, it was. And I, I actually see a shift in Albanese's attitude. He's not trying to protect his position now. He's, yeah, he's he's showing a lot of compassion in everything that he does. And he's very methodical and thoughtful in what he does. And I do believe that they will honor the promises, but there's a lot of fractions within any party. So we need to be the predominant fraction that makes sure that they're leading in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I am very hopeful, but you, you cannot sit back on your laurels. You have to continue to fight. And like you said, it's gonna be still a very long battle. Finances, money, Finding the right staff. How are they going to be trained? Do we have the adequate staff skill mix? I mean, it's a, it's it's an issue in health, no matter whether you're in public, private, or aged care. Yeah, absolutely. So lots to do from here, but uh, we will do it and we will get it done. That's the key thing, right? Yes, so absolutely. Look Let's take a bit of a shift in gears here. I want to talk a bit about you. Um, so, you know, putting aside the election, you were very active throughout the election campaign, as you have been with many others. Uh, you worked really closely with Christy McBain down in your electorate there in, uh, is it, is it Monero? Eden Monero? Eden Monero. So you're in the Bega area um, and uh, you clearly felt very passionate to go out and do, you know, you were on pre-poll, you were doing street stalls. I saw lots of great photos of the work you were doing. So talk me through what, what, what inspires you to um, be so engaged in all of the political um, uh, campaigning that's been happening over the past couple of weeks, but also in previous campaigns? What, what kind of keeps you going and keeps you motivated in relation to aged care? Well, when I was 40, I had a major change in my life. My husband died. I didn't ever want to be a waitress again. So I got a job as an aged care worker. And that had 10 years of my life working as a personal care worker, AIN. And I loved it. I loved working with the people. I started in a system that was falling apart. And I saw it after those 10 years, it was starting to improve. Mm -hmm. But then I decided I'm too old to be doing that. And I needed to do something physically better. So that's when I went and got my degree. But the passion and the love for aged care has never died. Because mm -hmm. I think we all deserve to have good quality care. It doesn't matter where you live, what you're doing. I need to be able to see that person. And you can only do it if you have enough time to see the person. If you're mm -hmm. rushing, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So that's why I've still had that passion. I taught aged care. I, even though I'm in the public hospital system, we still have so many people in the, in the over 60, over 70, over 80 bracket that need good um, understanding of what it's like to be older. Yeah, right. And when you say you taught aged care, talk me through that. What have you been doing? I worked as a um, TAFE teacher for six oh, years. Oh, wow. Um, so I did I did um, Certificate 3, Assistant in Nursing, and mm -hmm. Certificate 3, Aged Care Worker. And then I went and taught at a 
private place in Murmula um, certificate for nursing pathway. And so when students were coming through, you know, doing their um, certificate in HKEN or, you know, AIN training, what were they saying when they were coming through for the training? Were they enjoying it? Were they finding that the work was hard? Like, what was their experience like? Well, I think it's like everything. You, the reality hits after you're actually not a student and you're a worker. Yeah. And what you learn in, what you learn in TAFE and what you learn at university don't actually always transpire to what you have to do on when you're working on a physical shift you yeah. don't have time to sit there and talk to the person for 10 minutes mm. you don't have time to just sit there and do nothing but console someone but ultimately if you teach somebody to see the person first and see the illness second you win yeah because there's always a person behind every illness whether it's a dementing process or just frail age we need to see that person. So that was always my ultimate goal when I was teaching. Everything and it, else you end up learning well enough on the globe. But if you see that person, you just become the best nurse ever. And I've had so many of my Certificate three students move through and are now registered nurses. And a lot of them work at the hospital that I work at. Oh, that's great. And what's beautiful about it is they do, they see the person first and they see the situation second. Mm. And that's how I still work. I walk yeah. into a, a hospital ward and the first thing I see are they look really uncomfortable, the bed's messy. I see all these AIN thoughts in my head before RN thoughts. <laughs> and it's interesting because I would imagine that that would have reinforced a lot of your kind of worldview. Uh, you know, when you're working as an aged care um, AIN, seeing what it's like, seeing how difficult it is. And then when you've gone and done your training and become a trainer, you know, in that space, and you're hearing a lot of the similar stories, uh, did that really reinforce a lot of what you personally felt about the sector and the challenges in the sector because you knew that you weren't alone? Absolutely. Mm. I, when I first started, there were so many things that was terrible about the place that I worked, but it was accepted practice. And mm. just in 10 years, seeing where the accepted practice was moving towards was great. And then I can see this decline in the last 12 years since I haven't worked there. It's gone back to where it started when I first started in 1998, I think it was. Yeah. And the accepted practices have gone. The staffing is just ridiculous. People yeah. cannot do anything appropriately. So the people are being neglected. They are not being able to have the care they need because there's no staff. Yeah. And the wages have not grown much. Yeah. In 20, 22 years, it's gone from $11.03 to $20. Now, you can tell me that inflation has, has gone a lot higher than that. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, you've spoken specifically about certain time periods there in the last 20 years, and we have absolutely seen a lot of the decline in aged care happen at that time. Uh, and listeners will have heard us speak in the past about a lot of this being um, happening in relation to the changes with the Aged Care Act that happened back when John Howard was the Prime Minister. So, you know, these things don't happen quickly. And what we're seeing is years and years of government policy starting to take shape and the, the kind of deterioration that it's had across the sector. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest changes is when they introduce bonds across every single person entering a nursing home. Yeah. And that's when I've really seen the marked difference because all of a sudden they're getting this big cash of money for every person, not just some people. Yeah. Okay. It, and it doesn't go on to care. It doesn't no. go on to any sort of care. It just goes on to building and structures and more buildings and making a grand piano in the place. So yeah. That is when it's really, really gone downhill. And that's when the staffing has gone downhill. And that's when they've been becoming 
more making money out of aged care instead of supplying a service. So you need to go back to service care. Absolutely. So for listeners that aren't familiar with this system, um, back as part of the change in the Aged Care Act, there was the introduction of bonds. And we know that providers lobbied government very heavily for this to happen. So uh, for uh, residents entering into aged care, they're required to provide a bond. And that bond is then utilised by the facility to invest usually in a number of other capital works. So even providers that are not for profit, when they get that bond from a resident, they take that and they often invest in other building programs or other parts of their business model. And often they will make quite a lot of profit through those other avenues and those other revenue streams. Um, but it does really limit uh, the way that a lot of people can access care because they have to have a certain amount of money for their bond. You know, we're talking usually a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, and essentially care becomes like real estate. You know, they're buying their room or they're buying their, their position within a facility um, through that bond. Um, and, you know, the thing I thought was really interesting, we'd had an academic come and talk to us from Wollongong University a while ago, uh, and she was saying that um, aged care is a gendered issue, uh, particularly because women don't have the same access to bonds that their um, male counterparts have, usually because, you know, they don't have high amounts of super, they spend a lot of time in, you know, caring for families, etc. So their ability to access uh, a very high paying facility is obviously limited. Um, and women live longer. So they're living in facilities mm. a lot longer than their male counterparts. Um, and obviously, we know about the gendered issues in relation to the workers in aged care who are all female as well. So um, it's a kind of compounding uh, impact, I think, in aged care, particularly for women. We work there, we're the predominant users of the service, and unfortunately, the neglect that plays out um, is one of the many kind of areas where we see women not being valued. Uh, so it's sad, a frustration. The sad thing, too, is that your, your home is counted. So um, a lot of them have to sell the home, and yeah. if they don't want to sell the home, they pay the um, daily bond fee, yeah, I think it's called RAD, I think. Um, and that's non-refundable. Yeah. So you pay that interest that they can acquire and earn on that money you have. And so you might be paying a quite a lot of money monthly and you'll never retrain, get that. Or yeah. you sell your house and give them the bond so they can play with your money. Yeah. Yeah, lots that needs looking at, that's for sure. But mm. certainly we've got opportunities to start to get in and, you know, change what we can. Yeah, and um, hopefully one of the things that need to change is how we staff, not staff, absolutely. how we fund it, yeah. accountability and funding it appropriately without all these little loopholes that they can say, no, no, that person doesn't deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, certainly addressing the workforce issues is going to be one of the key pillars to seeing improvements across aged care. Um, so talk me through, in terms of your activism, you've been active in lots of places, even outside of the aged care space too. You're a counsellor here on the association. So that's our kind of board of governance. Um, talk to the listeners a bit about why you, are, why you have decided to become a counsellor and what you get out of it. Oh, I've loved being the counsellor, um, but I love being part of the association. I started back in 2002 when the Nurse Power Fund was first discussed and I got up at annual conference and spoke for the first time, first time I went anywhere, and that just got me hooked. Because <laughs> I think we need to, if we want to improve something in society, we need to be active in it. Yeah. So the only way you can, you can make a change is to try and promote change. 
Yeah. You have, find, you have to find your spot. And my spot is aged care and public health. Yeah. So I get a lot of benefit. I get a lot of um, benefit from my personal well-being to try and make somewhere, something safe for somebody else. Not for me, but for everybody else. Everything <laughs> I'm fighting for now, I'm too old. I will not get any ratios because I'll be retired by then. But I want a better spot for people who come after me. And the only way you can do that is by getting on your backside, off your backside and starting to do something. Yeah. And you referred earlier to our nurse power fund. So for listeners that don't know about that, that's our campaign fund. Um, and many years ago, Brett and Judith uh, established this fund uh, and the members all agreed to pay a small levy to build up this fund, which was specific money that's quarantined for us to campaign. Um, and our union, I think, is so... Uh, you know, has really benefited from that decision mm. because now we can run big multi-million dollar campaigns, big ad spends, you know, we can get uh, lots of people out on the ground and we can, you know, pay for things like signage and buses and all of that sort of stuff when we're having big industrial actions because of that decision that was made those years ago. Um, mm. And for members to agree to be levied for that, that I think it was $2 for a couple of years um, that the membership was levied and that built up that fund uh, to a point that we've got a really good fighting fund, which is mm. how we're going in and fighting for ratios. Um, and we'll continue that fight exactly as you've said, because we have to see that it improves for all of the future nurses and midwives that are coming into yeah. our system. Absolutely. Yes, I, want, I want a healthy system for when I have to um, get services. Yeah. I want a healthy system so that the people I'm working for now, all the young people have a good working life. Yeah. I want a system that delivers health it's the best in the world, not just starting to attach or catch up to America. I don't want an American system. Yeah. It costs money. So what? We have to pay for it. We have to find a way to fund it and we have to find ways that can staff it and support it. I don't want to live this productivity. You need to be um, save money in order for us to give you a pay rise. You need to do this in order for us to do something. So what? It costs money. Find a way to get the funds. That's yeah. not my problem. They need to work that out and deliver a really succinct and sufficient um, health care, whether it be public, private or aged care. And look, I think that's fundamentally how we think differently about health, don't we? Because we, we perceive healthcare as a human right. And so, you know, finding a way to cost it and pay for it is the, is the job of government and trying to find savings um, out of health systems when we know we have an aging population and a growing population and a population that are experiencing more comorbidities and becoming more acutely unwell, particularly off the back of these two years of the pandemic. Um, it just doesn't sit with where we perceive healthcare to be as a fundamental human right. So no. Yeah, it is a bit a, a bit of a a bit of a divorced reality. Let me take you to, given what you've just said, let me take you to the announcement from Dominic Perrottet this week. So we don't have all the details. We've only really got the headlines, but we know that he's announced $3,000 bonus for all of the public sector healthcare workers, a $10,000, sorry, a $10,000 person injection of healthcare worker positions into the health system and a 3% pay cap instead of the 2.5, keeping in mind that 3% also includes our super. What do you think of that announcement, Di? Oh, I'm just so over the moon. 
No. Not Dripping with sarcasm is Dripping that what with I sarcasm. <laughs> I think the three thousand dollars is a hush money a bribe. Mm-hmm. The three thousand dollars is considering that we only had a zero point three percent pay increase two years ago and two point one percent pay increase last year because we had to fund our superannuation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already behind the eight ball. Yeah. So it's he's trying to give us some catch up money, but mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't fit because my pay rise now is going to go under the pay rise of an, an inadequate pay rise from two years yeah so it's just hush money and then it's only the health sector so all the pro- other um public servants are good, are very angry with it so it's creating yeah. division between those parties as well and then a three percent pay rise is still inadequate because yeah. what we have asked for for 10 years or more is we want adequate staffing and ratios and not once not once has this government mentioned that no they think it's a they think it's a four-letter word. They think it's a, a terrible word. They won't mention it. Yeah. 10,000 nurses, that sounds like a lot. Oh, my God, that sounds great. It's not nurses. It's, it's healthcare workers. That includes every aspect of health. Yeah. And if we would just get 10,000 nurses and you divide it by the 220 hospitals we have in this country, that's 45 nurses for each hospital. Now, I'm really sure that some of those metropolitan hospitals could take those 45 nurses for just one ward. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's inadequate. It's it's an insult. We're going to get it no matter what we want, but we still need to fight to get those ratios because that is all nurses really want. And look, you know, it is a real frustration because we saw the current Mm. government announce 5,000 nurses in the lead up to the last state election, uh, which was in 2019. And we're still yet to see the full volume of those 5,000 nurses um, injected into our system now. So the prospect of having another few thousand nurses thrown on top, whilst of course we'd welcome any enhancements, the reality of course is that there's no transparency around where those positions will be. There's no way to know that those positions will go to the place of most need Um, and because they're not ratios there's no accountability around it so you know we see exactly as we've seen now these big announcements that are attractive and sparkly to the general public but in the reality it doesn't really do much to shift what working conditions are like on everyone's wards day to day. Absolutely I mean at Southeast Regional Hospital we have not seen one extra nurse on the ward. In fact, they've gone down from when we from 2017 when we had funded more beds. They're only funding us for 20 beds. We will finally get our six hour, six nursing hours per patient day in October for mm-hmm. one ward. Yeah. And we'll get the next six nursing hours per patient day next March, just before the election. Yeah. Um, it is a sugar-coated handout. Yeah. Um, and then they have to. The, the goal to say, well, we're not going to control how you spend, how those 10,000 healthcare workers will go. We'll let the local health districts decide. Mm. We, we don't want that. We want, we want something in law. We want something structured so that it is, it is legislated that they have to have this many people on the ward, shift by shift ratios across every single area, not letting some um, local health districts make those decisions. Yeah. And so the fight continues, I suppose I would say. Uh, And in relation to those announcements, we have written to government and we've got a couple of meetings coming up with the Ministry of Health. We're seeking all of the details. We want to be able to understand whether the bonus applies to casuals and part-timers and contract workers, and if it's prorated or if everyone gets the payment, um, how that happens. We want to understand where the positions are going that they're announcing, which LHDs 
is it getting how many is it an even split you know all of those sorts of questions um, and ultimately how many of those 10,000 positions are nurses and midwives uh, because we still don't even have that level of detail so there's more questions than answers at this stage I'm afraid um, mm -hmm. but again we know that it's not ratios it is not going to be accountable or transparent it's not going to be a mandated minimum which means that we can still turn up to work and have you know six patients one day and 11 patients the day after and that's still all going to be completely acceptable uh, and so until we get ratios that scenario is not going to change absolutely yeah so um, as we continue going forward, we know that this campaigning is going to have to uh, keep up, particularly in relation to ratios. Um, can you talk to me about uh, anything in particular that you think members need to be considering when it comes to, you know, their activism and their campaigning and how they can achieve the wins that they want in their local workplaces? I think we need to sit back and look at what happened with the federal election. And it was only because we had really good activism. You guys supported, the Nurses Association supported so well. We had good information coming with you, from you all the time. So we had, we were up to date with the understanding information. We had handouts, we had letterboxes, we had letters to the editor, we had interviews, we had so much on the aged care industry that it made a change. Yeah. It made people think. At the pre-polling, when we we're handing out I saw people coming in with things that we did on a letterbox. I saw people going and going directly to us to say, nurses, I'm for you. It was only because we were out front and vocal that we were able to achieve what we did across the board. And I think that's, I mean, everybody likes Christy in Eden Monero and she's done a great job. It wasn't so much of a challenge for us as it was in some of the other places. Mm. Gilmore was probably won by nurses. I was in Gilmore. I can tell you um, it was a tough gig. <laughs> it was. Everyone likes Andrew Constance in Batemans Bay Mogo region. Yeah. That's where he's from. That's where he lives. And he was he was part of he he did experience some of the disasters that they did. Yeah. But you go further up north, people started looking at the policies, not the person. Yeah. And that's what won Gilmore. Three hundred and seventy yeah. votes is not much, and that, and it's still counting. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, so it's because of us. It's because of nurses that we did so well. And so we need to take that voice and that respected kind of um, attitude that the community has for us, and we need to use that in our public sector campaigning, don't we, Di? Absolutely. And we need to we need to work on both parties. We need to, and we know we already know where the liberal stands. So we need the Labor Party to stop and listen to us. If they yeah. don't listen to us, they're not going to have our support. Yeah. And I think if they do listen to us, they may get in that next election only because we will push, push their policies. Yeah. And we need for nurses and midwives to keep talking to the media, giving those expert stories, like we were saying in aged care, you know, nurses and midwives are the experts when it comes to public sector health. They live it and breathe it every day. So uh, when it comes to talking about what it's like on the floor every day, uh, no one beats the stories of nurses and midwives. We need to use that voice in a way that helps to advance our interest towards ratios. But one thing that people need to be aware of is the union is me and them, yeah. not the office in Sydney. Yeah. So what does, you know, they all think, oh, what's the, what's the union doing? Well, you are the union. Yeah. You need more people to get active. They're not enough. Yeah. People are so exhausted and so tired. I know you are. 
but you need to get off your backside and you need to stand next to me or next to somebody else and hand out, vote, talk to people because we can't do it on our own. Yeah. It, it is, the word solidarity is right. You, you need to be in mass in order to make changes. Yeah. And we need everybody on every public hospital to stand behind their branch and start becoming really vocal. Couldn't have said it better myself, Di. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And you're, um, you know, you're an incredible inspiration. You know, your many years of activism and watching you just get up and keep going day in and day out. For those of us on the sidelines or watching your work, uh, it's very inspiring. So thank you for all that you do. Um, and I really appreciate it. And I'm grateful for your time today. Well, thank you very much, Shane. I really, really enjoy talking to you. And I am very pleased that you're our Assistant General Secretary <laughs> and currently acting. So <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's continuing professional education scheme. Did you know that the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association members can access over 60 CPD courses for free? Just log on to Member Central on the Association website to find out more. That's nswnma.asn.au. And if you're not yet a member, join today and get access to these courses straight away. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Di and look forward to seeing you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. And if you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with all our services and campaigns. This podcast was recorded on Indigenous land. We acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. This land was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.